All right. Hey, guys, we're back with another episode of the Close to the Mark podcast. This is Charles. Corey here. And you know where to find us always uh, at your local podcasting shops, which include iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Overcast, Cast, uh, Podcast Addict, Podbean. I feel like this has turned into a game. Yeah. Um, Spotify. No, I got that one. You're um, out. So okay, I lost that one. Game's over. Next week, I'll get W. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at CTTM Podcast and Facebook.com slash CTTM Podcast. And as always, you can reach out to us here on the show. Take part by emailing us at close to the mark podcast at gmail.com. Yep, yep, yep. So let's get to work, man. It's another week. Got Raw going on. Yeah. We, we let off with, with Brock and Roman's segment. Paul Heyman was the, said he was the best. And that was a good promo. When he was crying, he looked sad. <laughs> Paul Heyman, I think, is the best the way he does. I don't, I don't know enough wrestling. Maybe my history of wrestling is not strong enough to say these kind of things. And I apologize if I offend you. But as far as I'm concerned, Paul Heyman is the best manager there's ever been. Well, that's the thing. And it's not even close. But that's the thing is like that's your context because they're in the world of professional wrestling managers right now, your lifetime experience has sort of been like Carmella working with Enzo and Cass. Yep. Paul uh, Erling with Authors of Pain. Zelina Vega with Cien Almas. Mm-hmm. And Paul oh. Heyman with Brock Lesnar. Also with Cesaro and also with CM Punk. Right. Now, Paul Heyman obviously is head and shoulders above all the others that we just mentioned, and he is certainly the best of the current. Yeah. Uh, but the whole reason that, you know, people like lament the fact that we don't have as much of a, a deep field of potential managers in wrestling now is, uh, you know, obviously the same way that Paul Heyman, like you said, is so good at what he does. So good. And he serves as such a great mouthpiece for a guy in Brock Lesnar who's been, never been a very good talker. And not strictly mouthpiece. He just gets it. His his job is to sell tickets. When Brock Lesnar sells tickets with his, I don't want to say physically, because Paul Heyman sells tickets with his mouth. Brock Lesnar sells, sells tickets with his person. Yeah. And you pair that together. And Paul Heyman gets it. As far as selling tickets goes. Right. I've seen people be able to talk just as good as him. I've seen people be able to do anything else. I've seen clips of uh, like uh, the examples you hear as I hear. What do the people say? That uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan guy. Bobby Brain Heenan was the god of wrestling. People matches. say that. But when I watched the stuff he did, it was all just good manager helping win a match stuff. But now nah, I've never seen anything that I watched. And I was like, now nah, I got nah, to tune in. Because See, of that. I think there's a few things that... Paul Heyman does it every time. Yeah, I mean, well, and Heenan had a little bit of a different role, but uh, but I think there are definitely segments in Bobby Heenan's career where you could point to individual promos and say, like, that's the best work as a manager that you're going to find. And even when he was paired with Ric Flair, Ric Flair is famously one of the best talkers in the business. Flair... Flair's never needed a manager because he doesn't need somebody to be a mouthpiece for him. Yeah. But Bobby Heenan was so good that he could be a manager for Ric Flair, who's one of the best talkers there's ever been, could and make Heyman, him better. Well, I mean, just to, just to compare apples to apples, Yeah. arguably speaking, CM Punk was the best guy in the mic in this more modern era. Mm -hmm. And what did they do? 
put Paul Heyman with him made him even better. Yeah. So I feel like you can't knock the result in that regard. I don't know. Maybe it's 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 unfair for you, for your perspective and for my argument because I never watched Bobby the Brain Heenan. So, so I don't have anything to bounce it off. That's what that's both. well. That's what I'm kind of saying is I think it's I think it's sort of like from I would say from my perspective I think of that as sort of like it's an unfair argument knowing that when you say the things you have seen with Bobby Heenan as a manager automatically means a limited amount of what he did as a manager. Correct. You've only seen so much of it. And I can think I can, I can recall immediately to mind of like Bobby Heenan, who was like Bobby Heenan was perfect because of his stature, because of his height. So he's, you know, Bobby Heenan, I'm going to say was maybe around five, eight, Maybe even a little bit shorter than that. A squirrely guy. He was he, now he was stocky, and he he actually had a pretty decent physical build. You know, I mean, pudgy, sure, but yeah. but better than Paul Heyman. He was a thick guy. Yeah, but he could move. I mean, he okay. could move in the ring, and he could tumble, and he could do quite a bit um, until later on in life, his neck was hurt. But so he's a small guy in a and in, in the operating in the WWF, which, as we all know, has always been the land of the giants. Yes, Bobby Heenan could get into Hulk Hogan's face, bearing in mind Hogan's like six, seven, six, eight mm-hmm. and poke him in the chest while he's lambasting him and saying, you are, you know, a sham champion and my guy is going to kill you. And you know that Heenan, like Hulk Hogan could break him in a second, could tear him apart, but he's poking his finger into his chest because he's got somebody standing right behind him. Well, let me ask you this. With the with Bobby the Brain Heenan, did the did the did the allure of him come from like was his skill level was it a reflection of the idea that people were like I can't wait till they get their hands on Bobby the Brain Heenan? Sometimes is that like is that a majority of it or is that just a fact? It, it? it just depends on who he was working with because he had the ability to work with guys that you didn't really care about that much. Well, because Paul Heyman's never that guy. Well, this is, this is also it's also who they put him with. I mean, they could put Paul Heyman. Well, maybe I'm, but you're talking about what they could do. I'm talking about what they did. You know, they've never done that. With Paul. Paul Heyman has never, never, ever ran one of these feuds. Maybe it was the, maybe the CM Punk one when the at the end of it though, when they were feuding. Yeah, but but Paul Heyman usually, and I mean, I know he's had instances where he's had like two people he kind of represents at the same time, but usually he's just like. In his role in WWE now, he's like he's with one guy. Let me ask a quick question. I don't want to go on tangent, but uh, like with Paul Heyman, does Paul Heyman choose you, or does WWE creative team call Paul Heyman and say this is your new guy? Uh, historically, in the last like fifteen years, it's been a case of Paul Heyman chooses you. Oh, really? Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. So he's actually like outside, and it's for if a WWE performer gets a call from Paul Heyman saying I want to represent you, that's one of the best things that's ever happened to him. That's what happened to CM Punk. It's like being a Paul Heyman guy is like actually based on his minus Cesar, I guess. But like, so you've have you ever heard of the Harbingers of Failure? Never. Like, there's people out there who it's really weird that they are the ones who like every time a movie is going to be like the worst movie ever, or a video game is going to be the worst video game ever. That's the first person in line to buy it, or to buy a ticket, or whatever. Okay, gotcha. Like, there's some people that the are people literally... people that see Sharknado on its release day. The people who are like, 
you know, on their Christmas wish list for their video game collection. They want E.T. They want uh, Buck Hunter. Okay. Um, they want the Barbie dress-up game. Oh, God. And they, you know, it's like that's, and they want the knockoff version of Tetris. So they just like trash things. They like trash things that society as a whole is going to absolutely reject and hate. And do they buy it to make fun of it too, or do they buy it to say no, they love it? No, they are of- they are they are considered the harbingers of failure because they all because you've it's been found that when you when you sample enough of the population to find the people that are in that group and eliminate them from the group and make them your selection bias, like everything they choose is the opposite of what everybody else chooses, and yeah. it's not. It's not like, you know, everybody wants the new Call of Duty game, so I want the new Cabela's. They actually like They it. actually want that. And they oh. will they will you can predict whether or not a product is going to fail when it hits the market based on their desire for it. Oh, wow, that's So terrible. if they're like if they're like, "Oh my god, I cannot wait until I get my new Zune MP3 player." Doesn't control. You're me. like, "Buy Apple stock." So we want them to hate this show. Yeah, absolutely. We hope, we hope the harbingers of failure have tuned into close to the mark. Hate it. And they have like well, they never emailed they us. Deleted the app that they downloaded it on. Yeah, they reported us. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. But what but if that's they okay? Because Paul Heyman. Because like literally every single app that we're on, like Spotify, iTunes, all those things, they don't have any of that stuff. They have like Last FM or something. Yeah, good point. They have like iHeartRadio. Musically or whatever. Yeah, like you gotta type in you gotta type in podcast in the Google Play Store and then go to page like fourteen. And that's the one. That's the one they got. Yeah. And there's and four downloads. There yeah. All of them them. There's three there's three podcasts on that app. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, we are not one of them. But but there's but they are but that that same app though does have the same amount of five star reviews as it does downloads, mm-hmm. which is an incredible feat. So, but what does I got to do with Paul Heyman, if you don't mind me asking? He's the opposite of that. He's the anti. He is like... So, if he wants you, you're great. If Paul Heyman says, uh, you know who I think is going to be somebody, is this skinny kid from the Indies with the bad haircut named CM Punk. And Vince McMahon is like, first of all, he's skinny. Yeah. Second of all, he's one of those indie kids. Second of all, he's got... Or third of all, he's got a bad haircut. And fourth of all... What the hell kind of a name for a professional wrestler is CM Punk? And just so we can clear the air, we do know what CM stands for now. Chick Chick Magnet Magnet Punk. Yeah. But, like, Vince McMahon looks at that dude and he's like... No way. I mean, he's like, he's got a Pepsi tattoo on one arm. Yeah. He's, He's like straight edge and he does these stupid marker things on his hand. Like, Vince McMahon looks at this guy and there's a hundred things that tell him this guy's never going to be WWE champion. Paul Heyman looks at this guy and says, that guy's going to be WWE champion someday. But, but I mean, to be fair, though, Paul Heyman said Cesaro's great, too. And I don't remember how that one ended. I think they actually just ended it. Cesaro was a Paul Heyman guy yeah. for like a month, yeah, maybe longer. But I think it just ended. So I guess Paul Heyman's record, track record is 100%, but it is good. It's very if good. If Paul Heyman called me tomorrow and said, Corey, I heard the show. I want you to be a Paul Heyman guy. He says, as long as you bring Charles, too. And then we would go enjoy success for the rest of our career. Yeah. But we still would do the show because we're here for you. Yeah. It might have to be a different day, but we would be here for you. Yeah. All we right. Just get Paul, we'd just get Paulie in on the cell phone. Oh, that would be out of this world, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, man, we'd win. So then what? after that, what happened after that? Then we had a... 
Ah, Ronda and Alicia. Yeah. You know, Alicia Fox has been WWE for a long time. A long time. Like a long time. Her haircut was rough. Yeah, she had the sh- Actually, I didn't mind the short hair. It was weird, man. I, I did not mind the short I hair. I didn't like the short hair at all. It looked really soft. But she- it did look, the hair did look soft, but kind of made her whole character look soft too while I was at it. Like she looked like she had no business in a ring. She doesn't. No, she's good. No, Alicia. What? Alicia she's, Fox has some of the worst. Are you mat, kidding me? Worst she's women's smooth, matches. man. Alicia Fox is wonderful. She's really good. I'm not being. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I mean this. Well, something major has changed in the in the time that she's been off. Then maybe she's been working with the NXT system a lot because they've probably been learning from her. Well. Alicia Fox, she's top five in the women's division has right now. Some of the worst matches in WWE. But she has wins. that one real bad one with Natalia. Oh, she's got a lot of real bad ones. Are they singles matches? Yeah, you were you were you were doing your let's look at the pro fight database of of some match ratings. I challenge you to do it with Alicia Fox. We're gonna keep talking while I'm pulling it up simultaneously. All right, because I'm interested to know how how bad this is. But I want to let you know that I'm the kind of dude that no matter what I see right now. I'm not changing my mind. Well, that's fine. I'm just saying that okay. she does legitimately have some of the worst women's matches in, in WWE history. Well, she got paired with trash opponents then. Because she's capable of having four and a half star matches. <clears throat> well, sure. she uh, she had a, a pretty decent match uh, with Ronda Rousey that went the way it should. Um, she should have won. At least Fox should have won. But it is what it is. Well... The the uh, whole Alicia Fox thing was interesting because there was obviously a whole lot of controversy uh, surrounding her relationship with Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown. Yeah, exactly. Going back to uh, her uh, confrontation drunkenly backstage with him, apparently. At, what do you think that sounded like? Uh, it, it's I think it sounded like uh, a whole bunch of Alicia Fox's friends trying to drag her away from a situation that was going to get her fired. Yeah, I'm with you there. But I'm trying to figure out, like, if Alicia Fox is drunk and sitting at WrestleMania, she see Ronda Rousey's boyfriend. What's she, what's she saying? Oh, your girlfriend, your wife, your fiance shouldn't be here. And she's like, well, she is. And she's like, yeah, but she shouldn't. I don't know. Like, where does it get to, like, when does it get to, like, escalated level? Because I'm an arguer. You are, too. But well, apparently there was alcohol involved. Which... Well, I know that changes things, but I still don't quite understand. I just don't understand drunk or not. Like, don't you arrive at the conclusion that this is not the guy to air my grievances to because it's got nothing to do with him? Uh, a lot of other people were trying to explain that. Well, I guess there was a lot of alcohol involved then. because if you can't get through that part, then you are in big trouble. So I'm looking through Alicia Fox star rating here. Uh huh. And just scrolling down, I'm at three time. I'm at three scrolls down right now with my thumb. Actually, no, I made it to the end. Wow. Alicia Fox's best match <sighs> all time had a three star rating, and that was actually uh, the three way tag elimination. As far as singles matches go, the best one she ever had was a two point two five. But that's not terrible compared to a. Uh, you know that I mean that's really bad. It's but <laughs> if you oh my lord. So she went against there was WrestleMania 30. She was in that match with AJ Lee, the big women's one, mm-hmm. the 14 way one. Since that match, so since November 24th, 2013, 
The best match she's had is 2.25. But actually, I'm just going to list them just because they're not that very many. 0. 0.25, 0. 0.75, 0. 0.5, dud. 1.25, 2.25, dud. So, uh... Not the strongest in-ring worker. No, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I got the order wrong. Okay. So that's when, when she was green. But I think the math stays the same minus the duds. So, yeah, she Dave Meltzer's not high on her. Looks like me and Dave Meltzer don't agree. Okay. Moving on. So Riley got the wound arm, boy. Yep. Looked good. You can tell she has her weaknesses, but they I, hide them. Yeah. I don't know what they're always doing with Rhonda's hair. Like, they're always doing stuff with her hair. And I mean, like, I guess it's it's not. I mean, it shouldn't be important. You mean, like? <clears throat> like, the way they had the braids with the ponytail and stuff on on Raw. Well. The well, side braids are what I always think is really weird. This is how I'm going to put it to you right now, okay? And I think I, think I have a unique perspective for this. Uh-huh. Okay? You familiar with the rapper Eminem? Yeah. Eminem was very, very popular because he be, appealed to white people and black people the same. Uh-huh. Ronda Rousey by herself does not. Right. Ronda Rousey with hair like that may. I I, I, I don't I, I don't see I don't I don't see it, but I'm telling you what, when you are a black girl and you look at Ronda Rousey with regular hair, mm-hmm. there is nothing about her other than kicking butt that you like. But when you see that hair, you say, ooh, I might want to do that too. And now you can see a little more Ronda Rousey in you. All right, fair enough. And I think that's what they're going for. I might be wrong. No, nah, I mean, it's it's not a huge deal. I mean, I still enjoy watching her perform. I just think they make some weird choices with her hair and makeup. But Well, the alternative is put green highlights in it. Uh, I'd be fine with green highlights. I mean, <laughs> what was the, the, the really crazy thing they did with her eyes that even Meltzer talked about? Oh, the eyeliner stuff? Yeah. yeah weird. They're just trying to make it look really intense and scary. Um, yeah, kind of works. Yeah, they, I mean, she, I feel like you don't need all that to make it work. Yeah. So then after that, our boy, Dolph Ziggler. Man, I don't see the run lasting too much longer. Um, well, you were, ta- you were, so you were checking out the odds for, uh, for SummerSlam and, mm-hmm. and, uh, Seth's, uh, current favorite to win the Intercontinental Championship back. Yes. He's a heavy favorite. In, it's just a regular match, right? It is. There's no stipulations. I don't, it didn't list one if there is, but I imagine. So imagine I would, tomorrow is when they're going to put a stipulation on there because of Drew McIntyre. I, I would say unless I, unless we see something uh, like it becomes a ladder match or uh, and I, I I'm surprised it's not. Um, you would think the storyline would say, "Hey man, three matches in a row and your lackey keeps being the reason you won," including in an Iron Man match. Including in an Iron Man match, I think it's time that we uh, do a match that your lackey can't come to. Right. I feel like that should come up way quicker than it actually does. Yeah. And so we're just going to like, I mean, if I'm Seth Rollins, I'm saying, so let me get this straight. Champion's advantage means if Dolph gets disqualified, he doesn't lose the belt. Correct. He's got a seven foot dude outside the ring. Six, eight. Who can come in, punch me in the face, kick me in the face. Or punch the ref in the face. And get Dolph disqualified. Or punch. I mean, he can hit anyone in the face. If he hits Dolph. Seth's disqualified. Yeah. If he hits Seth, Dolph's disqualified. If he hits the ref, Dolph's disqualified. Doesn't matter. He can hit anybody. Yeah. I mean, hell, if, if he hits a fan, there might be a stoppage too. I don't get it. That stuff is just... But if I'm Seth Rollins, I'm going like, how does this match help me? 
Like it doesn't because I can I can I can actually out wrestle Dolph for twenty five minutes again, and then just at the very end of the match, McIntyre can come in and punt the ref in the head, and I just again I'm not Intercontinental Champion anymore. It was all for nothing. Yeah, you would think that stuff would get addressed, and stuff like that is when you get reminded that. Vince really believes people have short memories. Is his fans? I mean, his uh, like goldfish, his, like goldfish. Yeah, exactly. I forgot I ate. Yeah. So now I'm eating again, and I'm gonna die because of it. Yeah. You know, so it's pretty crazy because you see stuff like that, and it just doesn't make sense. Like the continuity we talk about many times. That's the thing that needs. Like we just need to live in a world that we say, if this was real, what would you do? And if I'm Dolph Ziggler, I'm coming to the ring with Drew. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, if I'm Dolph Ziggler, I'm getting in the ring. Walking down with Drew, I'm having Drew stand at the ramp. Then, as soon as he says go, I'm rolling out of the ring and I'm walking back up the ramp. Only way Dolph's getting to me if he goes through Drew. If Drew hits him, he's disqualified. If he hits Drew, the ref's going to yell stop. And if he doesn't, he's disqualified. I he mean, cannot make to me in 10 seconds. I'm If I'm Dolph Ziggler, I'm leaving the belt in Drew's hands at the top of the ramp. Because there's no sense bringing it all the way down to the ring. Correct. I'm waiting for the ref to start the match, and I'm super kicking the ref. That's it. Game over. And, and that was my SummerSlam. That's I, it. Yeah. I mean, I left champion. Yeah. That's, I mean, here to show the world. So simple. Here yeah. to show the world. I'm here to show everyone except for the ref. Yeah. He's catching one to the mouth. And I'm, I'm definitely showing the ref. Showing the ref him. can't handle this. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. I'm showing mostly the ref. Yeah. He's considered. So, yeah, I don't, I just don't get it because it's just, it's, like, history has shown that the best matches are always paired or a result of the, the mercy, that line blurring, you know? Like, ooh, I don't know if they're real or fake right now. I'm not sure if they're speaking from the heart or not right now. So the basis level, I feel like we just need to remind, we just need to make sure we don't remind people that it's not, that it's typically not a work. Right, just make sure we remind them, and let's let people speculate what they want. That's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But these angles they run, just do your best to remind you. So if I'm a wrestler, right, and I'm stuck in the mid card, and I can change one thing, I'm not changing my character. I'm not doing anything like that. I'm just giving them the stipulation of that right there. I just want you to anything you want me to do, you have to justify it to me of why I would do it if it was real. And if you can't do that, I'm not doing it. And I believe that single rule for any wrestler will always elevate you to the top card. Because everybody in the top card, that's what they have over everyone else. Yeah. That's what makes the top card the top card. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and, and that and that does change a lot of the booking for a lot of people. Changes all the booking for because everyone except for the main event. If you're if you're Mojo Raleigh, you have come out and beaten up No Way Jose for the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. In real life, what is the reason I'm coming down to beat this fool up again? Because it needs to help me get somewhere else, which it's not because he keeps doing it. Yeah. Or I just hate him. That's it. Okay. But I'm diverting all of my energy and attention into every time No Way Jose is in the ring, I got to get down there and kill him. It's the only reason to be I hate him. That's it. Because he has nothing that you but I can't, want. I can't seem to actually hurt no way, Jose. Even though exactly. I'm, even though I'm insane about it, my just passionate hatred for him. Exactly. I'd like to put him on the shelf for like a year, so be- maybe I could go on a title run. Did you ever see Star Wars Episode One? Yeah. Do you remember when Obi Wan 
was walking in the desert and Darth Maul knew he was there and they hate each other. Do you remember that? Obi-Wan's walking. No, no, it wasn't Obi-Wan. It was Qui-Gon Jinn, sorry. Uh-huh. It's Qui-Gon Jinn walking in the desert. Darth Maul knew he was there. Darth Maul got on his speeder and sped to him and they did not talk. They didn't do anything. He hopped off the speeder and immediately tried to kill him. That's what they were doing. They didn't talk about it. They did nothing. They fought to the death on sight because that's what hate is. Now I'm saying these guys can't kill each other, mm-hmm. right? But if a real life feud of real hatred ends with, if I see you, I am going to try to kill you. If you simmer that down just because it's a television show, well, that's a movie, but pretending that's real and understand it's a television show and you can't actually, there's no CGI, right? right? It should at least translate to my goal at most. The minimum goal I have is after I pin you and win, I'm beating the hell out of you mm-hmm. until the entire locker room comes down and stops me every time. Because my goal is to severely, severely hurt you because I hate you. I don't actually want you to be around in this company anymore. Exactly. I want you to quit this business because you can't come work at this company because I will kill you. Exactly. Every day every day you walk in the door, mm-hmm. I'm going to beat you to a bloody pulp. And this is the one company where like it's fine and it's okay that work. I'm your workplace bully and I can just beat the snot out of you. Yeah. Thank God I work here because yeah. that's what I need. And you're my target. Mm-hmm. So no way, Jose. I suggest you go to SmackDown. Yeah. I or, suggest you go to Raw. Or because, Impact or, or anywhere. Impact. Because if you're here, this is your fate. And you can go somewhere from there. You know, obviously you could you can go somewhere from there. At that point, you can even, and wanting something crazy. At that point, you could actually send Mojo Rawley to an anger clinic. And as ridiculous it would be, at least it would still make sense. Yeah. Who would have thought? And you could have like, you could have, uh, what's that? Uh, you know, the, the, when you're trying to get over like a phobia, you have the, um, like this, the, the gradual the, immersion yeah. therapy mm-hmm. where like one week they just show Mojo a conga line and it's not, it's not no way Jose's conga line. It's just a conga line. He's just fuming. And he turns red. Turns he red. starts boiling. And then like, you know, uh, a couple weeks later, they actually do the No Way Jose music with the maracas. He's just boiling. He's just, you get to a point where they've got a cardboard cutout of No Way Jose in the office. He, but he chills out a little bit. I think in the first time you bring the in the first cardboard, week, he just blasts He's got to smash the cardboard Breaks cutout. it in half. Yeah. And then the next week, he walks past it first and then comes back and breaks it in half. Third week, he didn't even notice anymore. Or like, like you have his therapist like who will say, like reveal at the end of the session, like, oh, the cardboard cutout of No Way Jose was behind the couch the whole time. Yeah. So see how it was here, and but you weren't thinking about it, so it didn't affect you? Just don't think. Yeah. Like, you. So you just spent an hour talking about it, and now look, here's the cardboard cutout, and you didn't lose it. And and you understand, he's so far below you, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And he's like, you're right. On to the next one. And then the next week, he just says, you know what? I did talk to my psychologist and it's a whole segment talking about how good he learned from him and stuff. He said, I do need to stop. I do need to learn how to not care about things obviously below me. Mm-hmm. And then the camera zooms out a little bit and he makes a serious face and he's like, I gotta worry about what's above me. And then the next segment, the US champion comes out. Mojirali just beats him that and, and And now and his anger problem actually isn't fixed. He just learned how to set his sights on other things. He learned how to apply his absolutely irrational anger 
to fuel him to try and accomplish something. Exactly. Just like that. Which we, is we, what we, you should be doing if you're if you're like if you have this insane inner rage fueling you to fight people and you apply that to a career of being a professional wrestler, like that's what you should be doing. That's what you, that's Randy Orton. Yeah. That's let me you, tap my let me tap all of my all the facets of my personality and ability to help me achieve something. Exactly. And that's why you have great matches like Randy Orton versus Christian, where if he freaks out and gets DQ, Christian still wins. Because mm-hmm. that's the counter to that. If someone gets so angry and just so out of control that they just lose it, and then you have the baby face who just makes him lose it. And it's it just makes sense. You know what I want to see though? What doesn't what what I don't I I actually don't understand why I'll do it. Because everybody understands in wrestling, in WWE specifically, Vince will tell you that the focus is going to be character driven because you have to care about why you have to care about the person fighting before you care about them fighting, right? You care about the character first, the fight second. Why don't they do more backstories for characters? I don't know. Like why don't they have Mojo Raleigh hate no way Jose when he debuts or something and no one knows why. And then he goes to psychologist and he founds out like when he was in college or something, when he was taking these tests, there was always these people doing the same music outside of his classrooms. And it was the reason he failed. So now he's like, you ever watch Dragon Ball Z at all? Not really. There's a story Dragon Ball Z. It's Goku and Brawly. Mm-hmm. And Brawly is the, the number one power as far as Saiyans go in the entire universe, right? Just mega strong compared to everyone else. And the backstory of them ended up being Brawly hates Goku so much that he just k- tries to kill him on sight every time. He's just blood rage. He only knows a couple words. I think it's Kakarot, which is Goku's real name, and die. So he really hates this man. And Goku actually doesn't know why. He's just fighting for his life when they see each other because the dude's trying to kill him. And you find out later on that they were actually born together in the same hospital. And Broly, and now you understand that, like, for these this race of people, that, like, they're not regular babies. So, like, they're, like, you can remember and comprehend stuff as a baby. Mm-hmm. You're just small and frail, right? So he kept, Goku kept crying as a baby and wouldn't stop. And Broly was more mellow. And he was just so annoyed with him crying, but he couldn't do anything about it because they were small and right. frail. And he Goku just crying and crying and crying and crying. And Broly just lost it and like turned into a super powerful person because rage fuels those kind of guys. And just from then on out, he hated the dude because when they were babies, it got planted a seed. And mm-hmm. Goku doesn't remember it. So, so a- backstories are important, is what the point is. Right. You know, long version. You know, I'm a big Dragon Ball Z guy. Dragon Ball Z Super. If an Arxis or Banco Namco listen to this, Bandai Namco, sorry, put Jiren in Dragon Ball Fighter Z, please. All right, next. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would, I, I would love to see that kind of stuff. I'd love to see, you know, the sort of stuff that explains like why, why these two characters like or don't like each other. And again, all that stuff goes back to continuity. Mm-hmm. Like you had, um. You know, the segment, uh, and it's, it's, it, I highly recommend watching it if you've never seen it before, but the total lifetime interaction between The Rock and The Hurricane on WWE television is probably like 14 minutes. Oh. Like, I mean, it's not that. I don't know anything about The Hurricane other than I think it was at the Greatest World Rumble or maybe the regular one. And it was a big deal. Yeah, he was the Greatest World Rumble. Okay. Um, but, uh, like, their total on-screen lifetime interaction was like under 20 minutes. 
Mm -hmm. Those two are forever linked in fans' minds. Why? Because their backstage stuff was so good. Their backstory between those two characters was so good that, like, it ended up in, in, like, you know the term, like, when you ship characters? Like, when you imagine a relationship between characters that isn't, like... Oh, just, like, just, like, plays, like, well, like, fantasy book. Yeah. Okay. But, like, you know, I mean, like, when people say, like, you know, oh, I'm a huge fan of, um, I, you know, I don't know, something super popular with... Okay, so let's, the, here's the best example I can say is like, uh, and, you know, I don't care how many points I lose for explaining it this way, okay. but like there's some people that were uh, Team Edward and oh, some people were Team... I'm what, just letting you know that you just lose every point, that's but fine. I'm going to listen. That's fine. So some people were Team Edward and some people were Team Other Guy. I think it was Jacob. Jacob. Was there it you Jacob? You just lost the points. I think I'm wrong. I was hoping I was wrong after I said it. I don't think it's Jacob. I'm pretty sure it is. All right, keep talking. I'm looking up too. So, but people like there were some people that shipped Bella and Jacob, and some people that shipped Bella and Edward. Okay, and so there's like it was, it was Jacob, yeah. Nah. So within fandoms, like people kind of tend to like it. People who are fans of a story like that tend to imagine their own relationships between characters, how they would like to see it go, and it is a kind of fantasy book. Okay, yeah. So. From the backstage segments that they had between The Rock and The Hurricane, people were such huge fans of it that, like, they had to imagine this more complex relationship going on between these two characters. And it was so easy to do that kind of storytelling when you'd have somebody like The Rock who would, they would have an interaction on TV, and it's been like nine months since the last time they interacted on TV. But The Rock would say, like, oh, yeah, like that time Rock and Hurricane were at McDonald's and this happened. Yeah, gotcha, oh, yeah. gotcha. So The Rock would tell you that clearly, like, the backstory between these two characters did exist. And there was <laughs> stuff going on. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, I mean, their total life, like I said, their total lifetime screen time of them appearing in segments together or being in the ring together is so brief. But people have such a strong idea that the relationship between the rock and the hurricane was like this multi-year major yeah. story because back backstory is everything exactly but the, i feel like they almost make it a point not to do backstory they and do I, and i don't mean like he came from nxt i mean just give him give him something man what is the t like you and i have literally come up with a better backstory for the bludgeon brothers than wwe has ever attempted even attempted they, there's been attempt. zero attempt. Like, don't you feel like that character? Remember, let's go back to the Wyatt family in general. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to the Wyatt family. Let's assume it's real, right? Let's assume we're going 100% kayfabe. It's real to me, damn it. Right? Yeah. So these three dudes. Well, really, it's all about the one guy, though, because the one guy is a cult leader. Yeah, that's fine. But let's take three dudes. One of them's cult leader. Two dudes join the cult. <coughs> and they live in the swamp, the woods. Whatever. The swamp some the swamp at the back of the hills in the woods. Yeah, exactly. I imagine it's like in Louisiana. Yeah. All right. Lu what? Louisiana, West Virginia is what I think. Yeah, one of those. I'll take that for sure. Well, no, I mean I'm thinking like for, there's gotta be some weird thing. Oh, they, I they, saying. Okay. they come from a weird world. Yeah, I agree. Where it's like they are simultaneously hill and swamp people. I agree. We'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. So now what in the world did they decide? 
to come do this for? Like, why did they show up? That's what Lucha Underground did right? And that's what, what was that funny show that had John Cena in it? The wrestling one, the South, Southpaw. Yeah, Southpaw that's Ranger what wrestling. those two shows did really good. Lucha Underground just did, hey, there's this open bracket. Everyone can fight. The winner gets this, like Mortal Kombat. And everybody has every reason to show up. Just like that. The 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 regional wrestling one, they gave everyone good backstory. Yeah. Really good. And that's what that's what like when people talk about, you know, like what made Crockett and the NWA and later on WCW really good when it was at its best. When you go back to like the early NWA and Mid South and uh Georgia Championship Wrestling and, you know, Crockett promotions. Even when you see like, like jumping Jeff Farmer is one of the best examples of like the worst promos that have ever been cut. And people are know that video so well. And here's this guy who's just like, he's basically, he's a quarter step above a jobber. Okay. Cause he's actually being given an opportunity to talk on a microphone in front of a camera. James Ellsworth. Yeah. Okay. Um, James Ellsworth, much bigger success than jumping Jeff Farmer, but he's like a quarter step above a jobber because nobody would, you know, nobody would ever say like, let's get, um, you know, uh, you know, smiling Jim Cherson uh, and get him backstage and interview him because nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares anything about him. Nobody wants to know anything about him. So jumping Jeff Farmer, at least they want to know something about this dude. And he's trying to cut a promo and failing miserably about how this is his profession. He was an athlete in high school. He wanted to do something with his life. College was not for him. You know, he did. He clearly like he doesn't have all of the mental faculties to operate a gas station. Mm-hmm. So professional wrestling was the, <laughs> professional wrestling was the avenue that he chose. All right. All right. So. This is what he does like this. And, and it, he went out there to have a match and try to win because he gets paid more if he wins yeah, and he can support his family. So simple. But this heel did him dirty. Now I can't. He cheated. Yeah. I, I mean, mean he's honest won, dude, I mean, honest living he won the match because of cheap shots and breaking the rules. Like I lost money because of what this exactly. dude did. That's the simplest story you could tell the in the world. Story. And like, it, it's a baby and it doesn't get tired either, though. No. It doesn't get repetitive because it's true. Blurs the line. I'm not lying. All right. If you look up top earners in WWE every year, the farther you go down, the farther down the card they are. The, the longer since they've had a belt. The more crazy of an idea it is that they will even ever have one. Primo, Primo and Epico are not making the kind of money that Dolph Ziggler is. Not even close. Right. Not even in the ballpark. Drew McIntyre's not making the money that Dolph Ziggler's making. Right. One's champ and one's not. Right. You know? So it's like the simplest version ever is I win, I get paid, I feed my family, I'm done. Kevin Owens was on that. Yeah. When he first got here. Quick sidebar. Just one second, because we're we got some stuff. We got uh NXT playing in the background while we are are chatting about the weekend wrestling. Yeah. The Cassius Ono match. Um, where he hit the knockout, and they had the lady ref. That was weird. She looked like Ronda Rousey's hair. But 
Do you think, I mean, like, do you have any issue with a woman refereeing a men's match? Because I like the idea of women refs. Well, until they do the, the, until they do like, the angle. If back. Cassius Ono was a heel, he's like 150 pounds heavier than her. Yeah, I don't think they'll ever, they'll never take it that far. But I mean, like, she can't tell him what to do in a wrestling match. And I'm not saying she that can in the disqualify side. I mean, I'm not, but I mean, like, if, if he's choking the opponent in the corner, she could just like, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. He's like, get out of here. Yeah, but no, man, that, that's too, none of these refs are big enough to be a real threat. Well, I know, but I mean, you know, I, this is, listen, I, just, I, like, I actually I said, really like the idea of having women. I'm going to time out. Charles trying to save face over here. I've said some controversial stuff in this show. And what Charles just said is the, is the first time I ever want to make sure it's clear I'm separating myself from Charles. Okay. I share zero of what he just said in my blood. Okay. That woman's ref is just fine. She can DQ him. Once she's DQ'd, they'll send out security and it's done with. All right. I, I, woman's ref. I, I don't like the idea of a woman refereeing a men's match when the men are like, she's going to have to be the authority figure with, with like, well, then let me, let me give an the example. authors of pain. Well, let me give an example. You got women's ref, uh-huh. okay, versus, uh, for your knowledge, all right, uh, Mercy, Ronda Rousey, okay, Nia Jax, or a woman's ref versus Charles, or a woman's ref, James Ellsworth versus uh, Primo. She gets more control in that men's match than she does that women's match. You've been watching the G1 a bit too, right? I have, yes. Did you see the Switchblade J White versus Okada match, night one? Uh, night one? Yeah. No, I didn't. Okay. This is my issue. And I'm, I'm hoping in, in some of our listeners' eyes, this gives me some of my credibility back because this is my issue. Switchblade Jay White wins that match because when he sees he's about to take the Rainmaker and it's going to be lights out, while he's being swung around for the Rainmaker, he delivers a back fist to the referee. Smart. Yeah, you can't do that if you're a men's match with a women referee. Well, you still can. No, you it's can't. It's just controversial. You can't backfist a woman's a woman referee. I mean, I'm with you. Can it's just controversial. I think it's gonna. But that's I mean, why I'm saying, Triple like, H I'm absolutely grabbed Ronda Rousey and yanked her out the ring. I'm absolutely fine with the idea of women's referees, and I like the idea of it for women's wrestling because women's wrestling is getting so much more prominent. Because I like the idea that for because first of all, like. I think it'd even be awkward if you had a, a male referee in a women's match and then a woman heel wants to get aggressive with the referee. Now, one of the classic spots... That's happened many a times. Yeah, but so one of the classic spots in uh, in a, in a men's wrestling is that the heel gets aggressive with the referee and starts putting his finger in his yeah. face and yelling at him. Okay, I got to call a quick timeout. We're watching NXT. Doesn't EC3 look like a shorter, wider Roberto Del Rio? A little. Same character, too, it looks like. And because there's only captions, I can't hear them. I'm hearing that accent, too. You hear Alberto Del Rio? I do. And now I just now I just see Alberto Del Rio, which now I can't stand up. He's <laughs> he's much better personality than Alberto Del Rio. Uh, all right. In any case. But so one of the classic spots is that the heel gets in the ref's face and then the ref, like, answers back. Yeah. Like, the ref will even sometimes shove a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they'll shove the wrestler, and then they'll start, I will, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, if you have a male referee in a women's match, you can't have, 
You can have Alexa Bliss. You like, can have the dude push the girl, man. You can't have a guy like shove Alexa Bliss and start yelling at her. Triple H pulled Ronda Rousey out the ring. That's one James instance. That's one instance. Well, it's got to start somewhere. But that's one instance. Of, I don't like that. I don't like things following that path, though. That's what I'm saying. Is I like the idea of women refs so that they can be in women's matches because I want, I want like for somebody, I want Shayna Baszler to be able to backfist a women's ref to save her title, and I want. What a, if Shayna Baszler backfists a men's ref to save her title? Then I mean, I, I that it, it I think it's just impactful, work. just for different reasons. <clears throat> I think if. If Brock, if Roman Reigns backfisted a women's rep to save her t- to save his title, I think that would be a wonderful way to to start to heal Roman Reigns. I think it would be very clear. Sure. And I think I I think the IWC would love it. Roman Reigns just hit a woman. Just backfisted a woman to save his title. Yeah. And he said, in the moment, he said, I can be honest with you guys. No one's ever kicked out of that. And although I'm good, I can't say I would have. And rather than find out, I wanted to live in a world. So everything became so clear in that one second after I thought I was going to get hit with that, it became so clear. And I understood that this title was more important than what you guys think about me, more important than what they think about me, more important than what Squared Circle thinks about me. And because I'm smart, I processed it quickly. There was only one way. I did what had to be done. And then he walks out with the title. That's it. I mean, it's going to be heat. I think I think I think the issue is WWE be on probably CNN. Yeah, you know that clip would be on CNN. Yeah, Roman would not do very well on Good Morning America in the future. He was yeah in the future it might be rough. Yeah, but I'm saying though I mean or this, especially if he was on uh, what's the one. With- but I feel like the same people that take wrestling so serious that would be not so serious but like so unserious are the, the people that like if it was on CNN are the old ones you know it's fake right you know it's fake right. So when they start freaking out about that, I'm just going to pull the clip of them saying, you know, it's fake, right? And say, apply your logic. This is entertainment. Yeah. So, I mean, it happens in movies all the time. Yeah. you like, you couldn't find, you couldn't find a show on Netflix where that happens. You can find a bunch of them. Yeah. So it's actually pretty easy. The Ozarks. I've never seen the Ozark, but I'm assuming it happens in Ozarks. What's that family, uh, what's that family I show? Think that's Ozarks. No, no, no. There's another one I'm thinking of. The Riches? It, no. Um, Parenthood. Where they're like, it's a family in Florida, uh, and oh my gosh, I, what's like the general premise of the show? Uh, like all the like this, these family members are all coming back to the same spot in Florida. It's kind of like somewhere near the Keys or Miami. Oh, you're talking about Rest of Development? No, 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 no. Is it like a drama? Or is yeah, it like a it's comedy? a drama. It's a drama. My mother-in-law's a big fan of it, but I can't think of what it was. It's not Ozark. No, it's not that one. She's a big fan of that too, but. Oh, I'm going to show about Bloodline. Bloodline. Yeah. That's the one. It was a good season one was good. Season yeah. two and three are trash. So, I mean, like, it'd be like you dragged somebody from Ozark to Bloodline onto Good Morning America and were like, yeah, but how could you do that? And they were like, well, because I'm an actor and the director said in this scene. Exactly. This. Exactly. I mean, it happens in movies. Yeah. All the time. You know? So, I mean. Do you know how many women Thanos killed? Oh, Lord. Thanos did nothing wrong. <laughs> And I and I survived. You know, Ashley and I both got snapped. I heard you both got snapped together. Oh man, was it brutal? You still, yeah, that sucks, dude. I I, don't I can know. give you an update sometimes. I'm you. I'm like, you know what though? You're at missing least, the great memes though. There's at least great memes. Over at least we're together. Yeah, but you're dead. We're in the Soul Stone. I'm not sure if everyone's in the Soul Stone though. We're in the Soul Stone. I mean, I think you would like to believe you are, but I think there's a better chance you guys are in the afterlife and or blanked. I promise you, we're coming. 
I don't know if you're gonna be in the movie. I think you guys are just dust. Nah, we're. Well, I'll give you an update on some of the memes over here sometime because they got some good memes over there now. You know, we had a we had a mod uh, in the Soul Stone that hadn't gotten snapped. Really? Yeah, everybody was like, "Ban this dude." He 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 he. He was a mod in the Soul Stone, and he hadn't been snapped. We were like, get out of here. Get out of here. Oh, so you guys get your own Reddit now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got oh, I didn't know you guys had a community. Yeah, yeah. The hell with your community, For man. all of us who got snapped. For here, all of man. us who got snapped. You guys are trash. Some of us got snapped, man. I can't was, stand you. It was terrible, but. I was safe. Yeah. And I felt good over here. That's okay. We got our trophy. It's cool. What's your trophy? Our trophy is a dissolving. Couldn't survive? It's a dissolving snoo. Is it really? Yeah, it's That's funny. funny. Ours is just. The, the snoo with the with the stones around it. Yeah, so which means if we ever squared up one on one, I'll just just intentionally snap you now. Dust. <laughs> did you ever see the Adam Brolin video? You probably didn't get to see it in time, did you? Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, sorry. Yes, I did. But you had to find it somewhere else. No, no, I said no because that was the that was the day. Oh, so you paid attention like when? Oh it was yeah, we were totally day. into it. Yeah, like we got Ashley and I both got live updates when we both got yeah. snapped. Was, that was the best. Uh, that was the best Reddit. Um, Reddit like Mercy event moment. Yeah. since the button. Remember the button? Yeah. That someone had to oh, click yeah. it every so often you get your color. Mm-hmm. I waited so long to click mine. I think it was I think it was a red though. Yeah. Yeah, because red I think it was a majority and I was unimpressed. Whatever happened when it hit zero? Because I I remember paying attention to like remember it was just that countdown. As long as someone presses it goes back up to a minute. And everyone's clicking it and everyone was concerned. What's I don't think anything zero? ever happened. Nothing I really don't. Happened. I really don't. Has it hit zero yet? I think, like, at some point they just turned ago. it off. No, it definitely hit zero. No, but I think, I mean, like, I think nothing happened is what I'm saying. That sucks. Yeah. In any case, let's probably go. go I, I actually, I think I'm Team Orange Red, though, was one of the other big events. I don't, I, I wasn't involved in that one. When they were, it was, that was years and years ago when they did, uh, on, on, I, I, I don't remember if it was April Fool's Day, but there used to be, like, one day a year where they did, like, big Reddit-wide events like that. And one year they just turned, they just literally did exactly what Thanos did and they split Reddit in half. And you were either on Team Orange Red or Team Periwinkle. And it was just, was like, it the same post or only these people could post? So, you know, the, the upvote color is kind of orange red yeah. and the downvote button is kind of Periwinkle. Yeah. So you were either Orange Red or Periwinkle. Oh. Everybody on Reddit. So you either got an upvote or downvote. I got an upvote. Did you? Yeah. Respect. Team Orange Red. I wasn't even there for that one. That's only, has there been any other events like that? Because those are always really cool. There was at least one other. I'm trying to think of exactly what it was. Aside from the button and aside from, they did at least one other big event like that. Well, I don't think the the, the Thanos snap one. Oh, uh, I mean, nothing's going to top that. It's, well, no, I think that got, I don't think that was very big <clears throat> leading up to it. It was pretty big. I don't think it was anything on the button, man. Oh, I mean. I think the fallout of the Thanos snap, because like the sub is four times bigger than it ever was. After the snap, which shouldn't be allowed. No, no, it should have. You, if you, if you did not comment or submit in Thanos did nothing wrong before the snap, you should have. shouldn't be there after. No, you shouldn't be like you it don't should, exist. It should have locked. It should have went. It should have went private. Yeah, and this is it, guys. Yeah, because completely agree. Yeah, because it got super popular afterwards. But I mean, the memes are great there. Now, so yeah, I yeah. can appreciate it. But in any case, so moving on back to wrestling. We got range, folks. Yeah. You necessarily don't even have to be a wrestling fan to be here. We definitely suggest it. Yeah. You know, but we got range. We'll catch you off guard. Well, we don't. I mean, like, it's not like, it's not like when we, you know, when we turn on the television 
It's just always wrestling. It's all wrestling. Or like, the, you know, yeah, like, exactly. my, like my phone does not literally have nothing but links to wrestling on it. You know what I mean? Like, I have a folder that just is wrestling. Yeah. And it's not even pinned on my front page. I have to go into the app section of my phone. Yeah. You know, so I have other, I, have, I mean, I'm a Land Falcons fan, die hard, through and through. Mm-hmm. Charles is too. That's another thing that really united us. How much Charles likes the Atlanta Falcons? You know, you wouldn't believe that, you know, but. Uh, and I would probably cool. not tell you that. Yeah, but that's why he has a mouthpiece. I'm a Paul Heyman, <laughs> you know, because he has always been the best talking because there's no difference between truth and a lie. So it's my job to tell people the truth on behalf of Charles, you know, so he's a humongous Atlanta Falcons fan. I mean, I think his passwords to all his accounts are Falcons, 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 Falcons. With a question mark at the end, and then with a yes, with an exclamation. It used to be the Dirty Bird. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was always good. But in any case, moving on. I was happy when when uh when Roman punched Baron Corbin in the ribs. Remember that? Yeah, everybody liked that moment. I liked it because that's the moments that's that's the moments he needs right there. Like obvious, like heel moves, but with a neutral personality. You see what I'm saying? That's awesome. And I think, I think, did you like it? I mean, eh. I like the fact that he had his bulletproof vest on while he did it, so like the dude couldn't do anything. Yeah, why don't you punch me in the ribs, see what happens. Exactly, yeah. Why, what, what do you mean? Why weren't you a big fan? Um, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. It's one of those little, it's one of those things that like, you know, some people said, yeah, that was funny. And, you know, I just think like, how are your ribs? Huh? Bam. You know, now they <laughs> suck. I mean, this is like, well, it's. It's funny enough. I mean, I mean, it's it's a great. I don't. I have no beef with that. It's that's. I'd, I'd much rather. Much better than that than tater tots. Much better than tater tots. Okay, I'll take it any day. So then we got a uh, Bobby Roode gave the, the gave the Mojo Rawley. Um, clean. Bobby Roode is trash. Has anybody like depend on entrance point of Bobby Roode? And has anybody had like the potential upside? when they were at like the world champion level in developmental. And then, I mean, I guess Rounder. Tyler Breeze is in that same boat. Tyler Breeze was never actual real contender. He was, he was a contender no, for sure. I mean, no. he was, he was, he was, he was a dude that match. you would see him in the match, but you would never actually be, you would never feel the idea of him winning. I don't want to be weird, but he's like the Dolph Ziggler of NXT. Yeah. You know, sure like it's not crazy to see him in the match. Yeah. But you know, dang well, he's there to eat the pin. Yeah. And I mean, I'm trying to think of who else has fit that role. Um, On the main roster, I mean, Balor certainly is more high profile than Bobby Roode right now. Yeah, um, well, it's crazy if you squared circle probably a year ago, maybe a little more. There was a post talking about that, like the backstage, very high on Bobby Roode could seem as a potential face of the company in the future. Yeah, which blows my mind because he, I guess, he has a good face to be on cups and stuff. Yeah, but by God, he does not. But to be fair, the they main don't let him talk. No, the main event is very rarely the best match of the night. Well, um, the uh, the other thing, because because uh, we talked a little bit this week, um, you were talking to another another guy about a bunch of wrestling um, ideas and thoughts and stuff like that, and we were talking about uh, Balor, yeah. who has another match against Corbin. Ridiculous. Um, so I have actually been going back, and uh, I'm mostly caught up with all of the NXT takeover events. I'm pretty close to being caught up to real time. So obviously, we'll watch 
uh, takeover, you know, coming up on SummerSlam. It's on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but I'll, I'll soon have caught up on every NXT takeover event. And uh, Saturday and Sunday is going to be a brutal day. Fun day, though. Yeah. We got our background championship wrestling. Three. Yeah. That's probably going to go till 7, 7. Oh, I doubt it'll be that long. But. All right. Well, somewhere around there. Get so I'm going to say probably 6 o'clock. Then we got takeover. Yep. That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. And then we got Sunday when we just... Wish it was takeover usually because the the, the when there's a takeover takeover and then a regular pay per view pay per view is always way worse than takeover yeah takeover still is a show every week and there's takeover yeah and yep. usually usually there's like a good match on the yeah. main show as but compared usually, to like five good matches on yeah takeover. well usually there's a good show on on Saturday yeah and there's a good match on Sunday yeah it's like how it goes but yeah anyways. But uh, so the one thing I saw was that when they got to, I think it was Chicago 2, mm-hmm. NXT TakeOver Chicago. I could be wrong about this, but I think it was NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. They did Balor versus Samoa Joe in a cage. And it was the Demon, Finn Balor. Yeah. And that's the first time the Demon has ever lost in a one-on-one match. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, it's the only time the Demon's lost a one-on-one match. I don't know if the Demon actually exists anymore. That's my. That's what I'm getting to. Is like, so the demon has had matches on the main roster. I'm pretty sure when he first came. Yeah, because the, the universal championship was the demon. was the demon. Yep. And since then he's been gone. Yes. Um. And Finn Balor Maybe has the demon sold his whole for a championship. Finn Balor's done nothing since. Well, no, I mean he's been. I mean nothing. He's he's he hasn't had any individual gold. No, I'm with you there, but like he's not he's not a jobber. He's he's fighting Baron Corbin. He's wrestling in opening matches on pay-per-views. I mean, I'm with you there, but there's people not on show. Yeah. Like but, he, he, he hasn't he hasn't done anything of great value, but I don't think his stock has plummeted. I think his stock has plummeted. Well, I don't think uh, it's well, I don't think it's gone as far down as like Bobby Roode's has. But I think you think his top end of his stock is much higher than I think it is too. I, I believe it is. Yeah, I, think, I, I think that dude should be. I think he should be on SmackDown. I think at best he should be a mid card championship as transitional, and every now and then I'll see him in a multi in at least a three man main event for the world championship. That's high as I've heard. Thank you. And he's there to eat the pin. What if he? What if it was Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Triple Threat? He's there to eat the pin. Uh, I, I see. I would just love to see that match, though. I just don't think he. I don't think. I think he's so generic that he doesn't elevate any matchup ever. Like I don't think a match ever better because of him because his stuff is so generic. I his mean, moves look cool, but they're. It's just. It's just. I don't know. I just. Uh, I'm not too high on him. He's good, but he's. He's not. He's a guy. If I. If I had to. If I had to write down a list of every wrestler I know my name of, I might forget his name. But in any case, yeah. we're moving towards the end of Raw. We probably should take a quick break and go over to SmackDown and finish Raw up. You know, just get the rest of our thoughts out of the way. All right. Let's take well, a break. All right. So back from break. Um, what else is up? I um, mean, we had the, what was his name? Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman. Yeah. that's He did that cool <clears throat> spot, though, where they uh, flipped the stage. Yeah. It was underneath. Yeah. The, uh, I forgot about that. That yeah. was the. 
they're running out of cool things to do with him. And I'm actually kind of nervous. Well, that's almost our idea of, of like, essentially at some point you have to have Braun flip the whole ring. Yeah. That's almost what they did. Almost, almost. That would be sweet to win a battle royal that way. Yeah. I think it would be so cool if there was like three people left in the battle in the Royal Rumble and Braun Strowman was 30 and he walked out and just lifted up the ring itself yeah. and just dumped him out the ring, then crawled in and won. That'd be a sweet ending to a Royal Rumble, wouldn't it? Uh, I don't know if that's too much. I mean, I don't know if it's too much of a gimmick, but. I mean, he's a strong dude, though. Yeah, but, you know, he can't really flip an ambulance or truck, but it's all kayfabe. So. I actually thought he flipped that ambulance for a long time. Um, I mean, I'm not proud of that, but I mean, I'm willing to be real out here. I'll yeah. put my real stuff out there. I spent probably three full days thinking he actually did it just because I was, I just closed myself. Like I was like, look, once he got the thing off the ground, it's going to help itself fall. Yeah. You know, but it was, it was once I looked up how much the way and stuff, it'd be a lot harder to get off the ground. I imagine. Cause yeah. I bet you he could flip over like a Dodge neon. Um, I don't, I don't, I, yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, I mean, so the thing is like the human records for powerlifting, all of the maxes are up around a thousand pounds. Yeah. But you're not lifting the whole car. Off I understand ground. that. Like all you need to do is get it essentially to 45 degrees. And at that point, a little shove. Yeah. But the whole time, some of the weight is on the other wheels. Exactly. So, I mean. There's not, there's going to be a math for him to tell you how much you're actually lifting, but it can't be much. I mean, Dodge Neon weighs 2,200 pounds. Right. So, you know, so, but I mean, ambulance weighs like 14,000 pounds. Oh, more. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's obnoxious. It wasn't even the same ballpark. Yeah. Um, but he did that cool thing and Kevin Owens got suckered. That's just about the only stipulation match on the card, isn't it? Yeah. That's, I don't know. That's even a stipulation. That's just like a. I mean, it's sort of a stipulation. It's sort of like, it's a, it's a no matter how you lose, yeah. you know. It's like, it, a, it's like a result is the result match. A, it's a, it's a, it's a money in the bank briefcase is on the line with no champion's advantage. Yeah, exactly. We'll see that in WWE 2K20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's weird. The, so then we had, what do we have after that? Gender did a bunch of nothing. I'm done. I'm almost done with gender. And then we have uh, the B team. Which is just a trash. They got new music. Yeah, they got real music. Yeah. Like, they feel like they made it. But I could never be comfortable doing that. Like, you, my gimmick couldn't be that I suck. Um, That'd be, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, they talk about that in WWE that a lot, there's, it's often been said that there's a lot of people there who are just, like, happy to be there. And that's it. Well, I imagine, like, the paychecks and... Like, at the end of the day, I mean, obviously, you need to stay physically fit. And, like, I, I know there's a lot to it. I mean, there must your be. your segment itself. There must be somebody there who is very, very good at explaining that, like, look, when you make the TV show Cheers, somebody got to be Norm. Somebody got to be Cliff. Somebody got to be Woody. Like, not everybody can be Sam. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but if like, you would think in a competitive nature, everybody wants to be Sam. If Sam right, but that's what I'm saying. Somebody at WWE must be very good at making the case of like, look, we tell television stories, well, I think, and you need supporting actors to tell television. Well, I stories. I think all they did is they were in the in the check line. They have two checks, and the first check says WWE thirty billion dollars in our bank account. You can cash this check, and then they have another check that's one tenth of that check, and it says TNA may get declined. 
do you want to be a main character or do you want to be Employee. who we say you are? Yeah. You know? And so, it's, it's been talked about so much, like um, how much the business may be changing with regard to that stuff. Yeah. But I mean, some dudes walked out though. Austin Aries walked out. Yeah. CM Punk walked out. Like, I mean, Cody Rhodes. Yeah. So like there's dudes that are in the boat that we're talking about and they just say that I'm on a ship that's going nowhere. I'm going to go hop off. And there's people who are like, there's people who are, you know, like Pierre Carl Ouellette is a great example of somebody who's taking advantage of how much the independent scene is going gangbusters right now. That's crazy. Um, Pierre Carl Ouellette made his WWE debut uh, back during Bret Hart's initial championship run. Good God. Which is going to be back going to like, I, well, maybe actually, uh, let me take that back. Maybe it wasn't his initial championship run because that was 92. But mm-hmm. let's say maybe it was like 94, 95, somewhere in there. So mm-hmm. Brett's second reign, I guess it would be, um, where you had Pierre Carlulet as a pirate. And his gimmick was first that he, because he steals things, he's a pirate. So the first thing he stole was Bret Hart's jacket, the, okay. the pink and black leather jacket. Okay. And uh, that ain't cool. So that ain't cool. That started some beef. Of course, stealing the jacket was a, a prelude to trying to steal the championship. Yep. And uh, Bret Hart and Pierre Carlulet uh, had some pretty great matches at that time. Um, you know, he wasn't a bad worker at all, and he was a good, good foil for Bret. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he continued his run with WWE uh, in the latter half of the 90s as a tag team with Jacques Rougeau where they were the Quebecers uh, and uh, so they were like their gimmick was essentially taking Jacques Rougeau's sort of Canadian Mountie gimmick and extending it to a tag team mm-hmm. and they were just like two guys from Quebec two Canadians Sweet. Um, he had a short stint in WCW didn't go very far and now here it is 20 years later, and he's having tear the house down main events on independent shows, uh, killing it with Filthy Tom Lawler on Black Label Pro events. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the big matches. I think it was WrestleMania weekend last year uh, for um, a couple of some of the sort of the bigger independent, like the Major League uh, Wrestling. And I think he's done some work with Ring of Honor. But he's having like a career renaissance, a resurgence because wow. – and he's like a guy who never made it very far in WWE. Not yeah. re- I mean, not really. Like he had, you know, world title matches, but it was just so that the champion had somebody he well, could beat. Well, I think the WWE's <laughs> idea though is like just being in WWE, period, is going farther in the wrestling industry – than being any champion, any head guy of any other promotion. And you know what? To a large extent, they're still right. Because the biggest profile in his career that Pierre Carl Ouellette ever had was challenging Bret Hart for the world title in WWF. Um, He certainly was still much more high profile in the wrestling world back then than he even is now at the height of his independent popularity. But he is one of those cases that goes to show that with the things that are happening in independent wrestling right now, you can be a has been or never was with WWE and go on to become a star on the independent circuit and exactly. make money. Exactly. Make money. That's because, the difference right there. And because, make money. Um, you know, Ring of Honor and New Japan now have a sold out Madison Square Garden show coming up next year. Which is pretty incredible. Um, so... 
Does, does that put a damper on All In? To me, it did. Uh, no, because All In is all. It was also a thirty-minute sellout, and no, agreed. So it's not like everyone made it seem like it was a huge deal. Like, oh my god, I can't believe. Like, is this going to happen or not? Could this? It seems to me that the whole time, fear and risk was what was actually holding the independent scene back more than anything else. Yeah, but because you and I... now we've learned just giving the people the chance to go to this show was all you had to do. Uh, but it. it had to... No, it wasn't just that. Because it had to be the right show. And that's the no, thing. Like, they didn't you know, have matches for All In. But they knew who was involved. Cody Rhodes. The Young Bucks. So, so is your argument then that the Young Bucks sold out the arena? No, I think the Bullet Club did. I mean, I just, I just feel like if it was, is if it's this easy, then I don't it think, it's, I don't happen. think it's that easy. I think it takes, I think it, like, I think the, I think the Bullet Club can do it in North America because of Ring of Honor in New Japan. I think the Ring of Honor in New Japan can do it in North America because of the success that both have been having. But I think, I mean, Madison Square Garden's eighteen thousand people, dude. All uh, in's ten thousand. Right, but all in's gonna be all in's gonna be Omega, Okada, the Bullet Club, um, the top. Pretty much, it's safe to say the most common promotions there are. The top one or two guys from each one of those. Yeah, I mean, it's they're both. I mean, like they're both they're both huge shows. They're both huge venues. They're both gonna be on pay per view. Yeah, so they're both big deals because they're both things that like. When what else can you talk about? Like Ring of Honor has their pay per views, and Ring of Honor has their Honor Club. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this subscription numbers uh, for that are really. I mean, evidently the subscription numbers for Honor Club are somewhere under, uh, you know, I, I would say you know nothing much. I mean, I, I don't believe these places could do it week to week like WWE does for sure. Right. But I'm just saying this idea that maybe two, three times a year they could sell out a 15,000 person stadium might have been true five years ago. Everyone was just afraid to try I don't think because of the financial true. I don't risk. think it was true five years ago because I think New Japan made a couple of attempts, you know, with some West Coast shows and stuff like that. And they found like, okay, the first time they didn't sell out 6,000. Well, more like uniting though. Because this is not a New Japan show. This is not a Ring On show. There's everybody. There's independent show. All in is that kind of show. The 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 Madison Square Garden show is a co-branded New, New Japan, Japan Ring of Honor. Yeah, which is the two biggest promotions other than the WWE. Right, but I mean, you look at like what's the alternative? Then you've got like your Black Label Pros and your MLWs and your things where essentially your pay per view events are i streams. They're they're yeah. internet streams, mm-hmm. and you've got your TNA, your impact, no TNA anymore. Sorry, it's a hard habit to break, but yeah. they were TNA for a long time. You've got Impact, which was doing Slam Anniversary, and people were outraged to see that Slam Anniversary was like $40, $50 on pay per view. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's what WWE pay per views used to cost. And I mean, like, let's just be honest, you're it's getting you're getting Impact Wrestling at those prices. Yeah, it's like, the difference was this one was, this one was great. I mean, and even if it's great, it's just like, I just, you know, it it it'd be like when you see the the Call of Duty knockoff video game at the dollar store. If it was priced at fifty nine ninety nine, 
there's just something in me that rebels against the idea of paying it. You know? Agree, but what I'm saying is, let's assume I made that game, right? Let's assume I made the knockoff game and you made the regular one. I should sell mine for two. I can sell mine for five dollars. You sell yours for sixty. But then one day I just say, you know what? Let's charge sixty. And it turns out the same amount of people bought it and paid sixty for it. So the only reason I never did it is because I just never tried. Right. I was convinced it couldn't happen, so I never gave it the opportunity to happen. Yeah. And I, that's what I'm thinking it was. I mean, I'm, I believe that I, it is true, and I think we're going to see a lot of surprises in the next year. WWE is going to leverage their, pay, their television deal, mm-hmm. their $2 billion television deal yeah. over the next five years. Mm-hmm. Um, plus... Uh, you know, the the worldwide expansion that they're aiming at. WWE Japan already exists. WWE UK already exists. WWE South America is something they want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the idea of acquiring talent in Japan for Japan, uh, in Europe for, you know, a an expansion of the UK brand if they decide to go with it. It's simply going to turn out to the styles of that area. But will they adopt it or will they not? um, But I think WWE is going to make a whole bunch of signings in the next year. I agree. Um, And I think some big, big names are going to be added to the WWE roster. Put it like this. I think think the megastars on independent scene are going to start being signed to WWE faster than they're established on indies. And, and so the interesting question is, uh, does the independent scene, does your ROH in New Japan... Slowly die because of it? Do they continue to try to, you know, build independent talents into megastars? Or do you also see them start to take guys like uh, a Mojo Ooh. Raleigh and try to put him in a new Japan environment and see exactly. how Mojo Raleigh would fit with Hiroki Goto and Tomohiro Ishii. I think the real question is, or does WWE developmental align itself with higher level indies? And do we see an NXT ring of honor show? I doubt that will ever happen. I think eventually ring of honor, I think, like I said, I think let's assume there's a hundred megastars right now in Ring of Honor. I think WWE is going to sign ten of them a year. They're going to establish five, which means their pool is going to be dwindling. And I think when that inevitably happens, I think there will be talks between WWE to establish all of those as training grounds and partnerships. Because once you can't beat them, it's time to join them. Well, what killed the uh, what killed the territories so much back in the day was that it it was it was true back then that all Vince McMahon really had to do was take you know maybe maybe at the outside your top two or three stars from a lot of the independents and that was enough to kill the territory. Exactly, but it's not like that anymore. There's more. Well, but he has also has the put it like this. Do you think there's 10 times more stars than the independents? I think the difference is that back then you had you had your top guys in Texas, your top guys in California, yeah. your top guys in the Northwest, your top guys in the Southeast, your top guys in Minnesota. 
And if Vince McMahon could steal two or three guys from all those places, now he's got a roster of 20-something top guys. I think the difference now is you've got your independent scene, which you know you would primarily consist of the same folks that are on your Ring of Honor shows yeah, and yeah. your your all-ins and your new new Japan shows. Like those guys, your progress main event is gonna have the same guys on it that are gonna be at your yeah. You know, your uh, on your Ring of Honor Fight Club and mm-hmm. and uh, you know so many other shows. Exactly. So I think if if Vince can acquire the top ten to twenty guys from the independents right now, the same way he acquired the top twenty ten or twenty guys from the territories, he'll kill the scene in, yes. in, to a large extent. And I believe it's very easy for him to do. Sure. Well, I mean, it's. Everybody has a number. I, I mean, Vince McMahon was the originator of the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase concept where he went around flashing money saying everybody's got a price. Exactly. I mean, because that so- character was based essentially on Vince McMahon. Exactly. But that, that's just basic common knowledge. And that's what's going to happen. So once that starts happening to Ring of Honor, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to say, why not just have our brands work together at this point. And you can use any of our talent whenever you want. That's the only way they're going to be able to play ball at that point. Which is why I think we'll see it. Well, it remains to be seen, but it's certainly an interesting, it's certainly an interesting, uh, you know, like development so, yeah. in the business. Which is awesome too, because that's the coolest thing about wrestling. I think is just like, it's, it is fluid and it is forever. Yeah. This and river is always moving. Ever evolving. Exactly. So now, I'm not going to put much time into the Riot Squad versus the, the versus the what's it called, Boston Hugging Boss? No, what's it called? Boston Hug Connection. Wow. So Bailey and Sasha Banks. I'm done talking to about them. I refuse. Here's the thing. Roman Reigns, people say we hate him, right? And everyone says we can't stand him, but then everyone spends most of their time talking about him, right? I'm not going to form that same trap for Bailey and Sasha. That whole thing's trash. I'm moving on. Okay. Over to SmackDown. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Um, you know, in some ways, uh, like the results for me were a little bit disappointing, particularly when you talk about the main event, the tag team tournament finals. Mm-hmm. Um, Twenty-five minute match between the New Day and the Bar. Um, I thought, and I'm, I mean, like I'm on record as you know. I uh, I vastly prefer guys who are great workers and can go. Um, most of the time over entertainers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's exceptions to that, of course, but but as a rule, I'd, I'd rather have somebody who can work uh, a four-star match for 17 minutes than somebody who can cut an incredible promo for eight minutes and then works a three-minute so-so match in the ring. Yeah. Um, I think Sheamus and Cesaro are my guys versus The New Day. Um, as far as who I want to see, I think they're a better matchup with the Bludgeon Brothers. I think they're a much better matchup with the Bludgeon Brothers that you could believably say, like, these are kind of two sort of Haas dudes, too. That can beat these guys. But and, they- like, you know that Sheamus has the physical power to give some suplexes to the. Yeah, but guys. Big E is in the category. It's just the other one. It's, so it's, it's going to be a numbers game. It's who, and, like, there's, you know, it's even been speculated that, like, this match might be um, Kofi and Xavier against the Bludgeon Brothers. That's dumb. Well, if it sets up Big E to start doing something on his own, which... Yeah, I'm fine with that, but, I mean, it doesn't make sense if you're trying to win. 
Uh, yeah, I agreed. But then it's sort of the question of like, you know, if you're Big E and you're like, so if I'm in the match for the New Day, then the New Day has a better chance of winning. So essentially, I'm I'm the guy who can win. Yeah. So like, well, why do they got to break up though? Why do they got to break up? I don't think they have ways? to. I mean, like, I don't think that they would have to break up. But a lot of people are saying like, it almost looks like the angle this time could be finally going to. Of course, got staying power though. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's WWE. You know, if you're if you want to hold your breath and wait for WWE to pull the trigger on an angle finally going somewhere, you know. See. Yeah, I, I would suggest it. Off topic, though. Sorry. I, you just said pull the trigger, and I got to think about court. Uh-huh. Did you see Colt Cobain suing, suing CM Punk? Yeah. Apparently, you, CM Punk's actually a dog. Did you did you read the text messages? I didn't read the text messages, but I, I heard, like, what they implied. So CM, CM Punk, Punk said he would pay. CM Punk directly leave. said, I will take care of, like, oh, did he, yeah, like he said he'd take care of it. And then, and then, bill that then he said, like, you're on your own. So he literally went from, like, I am asserting that I will take care of it for you. If you, if you refuse, because Colt you could see be, how much it was, Colt though? Could, like $300,000. $513,000. Well, but his half of it was, like, almost $300,000. I mean, his half of it, assuming CM Punk paid half. Yeah, but CM Punk has to pay half. CM Punk has to pay well, his own half. Oh, that was the total bill. Yeah, the total was like... I thought Colt Cabana was represented by himself. No, no, Colt, like, boy. well, see, that's the thing. Colt Cabana always had an out. WWE and Amon gave Colt Cabana an out right from the beginning. Pull the podcast. CM Punk is the one who convinced Colt not to do it and said, if there's a lawsuit, I'll pay the costs. Well, so we said that years and years ago. Yeah, he said, don't pull the podcast. I'll pay the court costs. And Colt Cabana could have just deleted that episode of his podcast and been done with it. And, I mean, no disrespect to Colt Cabana with how expensive that is stuff and how expensive that stuff is, he probably would have if someone with CM Punk level money didn't say, I'll take care of you if the situation comes up. If you wind up incurring $300,000 in court costs, I'll pay them. Yes. And he said that. And then, and then he, he said, said then, no, you're on your own. Did he say, like, no, you're on your own? Or, like, like was it, like, directly stated like, can you see, like, the lead into it? I think if I'm Colt Cabana, I'm like, this dude told me, like, yeah, but I need to, he told me I need to, I need to fight this with him, even though, like, I'm the little guy, and he's the big guy, so he's going to protect me. But Colt Cabana had his own lawyer, man. Yeah, but he. They weren't represented by the same guy. No, but he, but he so never had to, he never had to continue the court case at all. But I get that, but what I'm saying CM is. CM Punk talked him into it. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. If he. If, if CM Punk said, yo, I'll handle this for you, right? And then in response, Colt Cabana bought the most expensive lawyer money could find. And CM Punk was like, yo, dude, you should have took advantage of me now. Yeah, but that's not how it played out. But that's what I'm saying. Is there anything showing that it did not play out that way? Because under that circumstances, I could see where he's coming from. Because if, if it was you and me, and I said something a while ago, say, I got you. I put it like this, say, hey, man, you know, you buy a, I'll buy you a, the the Close to the Mark podcast shirt a year from now, right? Just, uh, I'll take care of you. And then yesterday you come in here with like a Gucci Prada, uh, no, what's, I took, what's the word for it? I bought a, alpaca. I, no, I bought one of the Kanye West t-shirts and then I just wrote Close to the Mark on it. Yeah, and it was like a $900 t-shirt. Yeah. And then I'm like, yo, bro, you're on your own for that one. Yeah. And you're like, but you told me you would pay for it. Yeah. I'm like, but you weren't reasonable. Yeah. It's a t-shirt. It's supposed to cost $30. Yeah. But 
if it's a situation like that, I could lean more towards CM Punk now. However, from what I've read, it seems more like CM Punk just a dog. So under them circumstances, CM Punk's a dog. But I always want to try to be reasonable and fair enough to just to acknowledge that without all the all the information, it's impossible to arrive at anything better than an educated guess. Yeah. My educated guess though is CM Punk is a dog. I agree. You know, so that that was pretty crazy. But in any case, we keep rolling. Um, you got, uh, who do we have? We had, uh, AJ Styles came back, talked about Samoa Joe. Yep. Samoa Joe's promo was sweet. And AJ Styles said, don't talk about my family. Yeah, exactly. Pretty weak response. I mean, fitting response. That's what happens most of the time. Sure. So they haven't left though. If it was real, what would happen? Yeah. But I just feel like you got a response. Next step has to be like this Tuesday, AJ or Samoa Joe has to come out and talk about AJ Styles' mama. Yep. And then AJ Styles comes and they get into a brawl and they get separated. Yeah. That's how it has and to go. And then SummerSlam. Yes. That's how it has to go. You know, because, I mean, that's really the only way it can go. But it would be good. Samoa Joe is quickly crawling up the best on the mic category. Yeah. Very quickly. Which is, I mean, it's a lot of growth for him career-wise because he used to be awesome in the ring, terrible on the mic. Still awesome on the ring. Much Making it towards... Mic. When making it towards good, really good on the mic, not yeah. even like this isn't one of those things like they're getting better, but they're still kind of like Ronda Rousey is no, getting he's... better at wrestling, but you can still see her obvious flaws. Yeah, she's getting better. Yeah, Samoa Joe is really good on the mic now. Yeah, like he's gotten better. Yeah. It's finished. You know, Miz is still number one. His promos for Daniel Bryan was good. I think Daniel Bryan's the heel though. Yeah, for sure. A lot of what Daniel Bryan's been doing has been like stuff that you can only understand in context of, like, you're the one with the grudge here. Yeah. Like, you're the one that's... Which is weird because, I mean, I don't really get it. Because you would think Daniel Brown would be the face because he's, like, the biggest face ever. Yeah. But he's not. So, But The Miz has a TV show. The Miz does have a TV show. Have you been watching Total Bells? No. Good show, Charles. You've been missing good television. I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm saying that for all the people who are. I'm right. counting on you to carry... I might this. make my own segment every week. Okay. Total Bell Review. Sweet. When I said that out loud, it did not seem as good anymore. But it is worth watching. Don't know about reviewing. So then what else do we have? Let me pull everything there. So we had that happened. Randy Orton, of course, was on his respect run. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I don't I I'm assuming that it's a strong possibility that this week we will somehow get Orton involved in the Jeff Hardy Nakamura match. I would gamble so much money that that's going to happen. Like, the most I would, they would allow me to. Yeah. Because I've never seen it. When you make it this obvious, you might as well just announce it on Twitter. Right. You know, and give the television time to to on to CNN. Which, they're very strong on doing that for SmackDown. That page just goes on Twitter on, like, Sunday. It's because it's two hours long. You know, so that, there's the argument. But I, I prefer two hours long. You know what I've been reading about, though? It makes sense. And I, I don't know why I didn't ever think about this. I think you actually mentioned it. I just didn't put it together very well. SmackDown's going to a bigger television channel than Raw is. Yeah. So SmackDown's the A show now. It will be. But will it actually be? Like, will they adjust it so it actually is? Like, will they flip rosters? Uh, I suspect you will have some movement. Or is there just going to be another? There's going to be a. There's going to be another draft. There's going to be another company-wide there'll draft. Be a, there'll be a shuffle. Yeah, but for a while, there'll be a shuffle. I think it'll be a draft. Like, they're resetting everyone to free agency status. Well, they can do that. Um, I, I mean, think I, I just fantasy booked it. 
John Cena feuds with someone, right? He says, you know what? I'm done with the WWE. And I'm taking it down with me. If I win this match, I'm winning the belt. And I'm winning the Vince McMahon. I'm winning ownership of WWE. Wins ownership of WWE. He says, the first thing I'm doing is I'm releasing everybody. Everyone gets released. Then they have to do a shakeup. Then they have to do a new draft. That didn't sound. It sounded worse when I said it out loud. But something like that would be pretty cool. I would. I would strongly suspect that Roman Reigns is probably going to end up on SmackDown. I want to know how come both of them got about the same amount of money. Uh, I guess because Raw is the bigger show, so USA was paying for the bigger show, a three-hour show on Monday night. Yeah, and then SmackDown was paying for a two-hour show on Friday night. Right. That's a lot of trust because. Because, I mean, I, they must have talked it out. Because Vince McMahon, with that money, has the power to turn SmackDown the main event if he wants and put all the stars on the other show. Well, that's the other thing is, like, none of the TV negotiations ever actually center on specific talents being promised for the shows. So, like, when you're USA and you're bidding for Raw, like, you don't necessarily believe that you're signing a five-year contract to keep Brock Lesnar on USA Monday nights. But surely you look when you when you are willing to put that contract forth, you look at previous numbers and what makes it worthwhile. And those numbers reflect having Brock Lesnar. But you ass- you assume that Vince is going to do what it takes to maintain the numbers. That he's going to find. So you just trust Vince like that. Yeah, that's a lot of money to trust. It is, but he's he's developed a product that's stood the test of time. I guess for- yeah. There's no reason to vote bet against them, I guess, is the number one answer. It's the it's the longest-running weekly episodic television show yep. on cable. So lastly, we had Shinsuke beat R-Truth. R-Truth looked good, but it matched exactly what you would think. Zelina Vega beat Lana. Yeah. I didn't like that they made it seem like Lana was the favorite to win, and Zelina Vega wouldn't have won if it was totally fair, because Zelina Vega is actually <laughs> a pretty good wrestler, and Lana is absolutely not. And I feel like even the show knows this, but they still wanted to take that route, which I don't quite understand because I don't want that to be a feud. You know, that needs to be a one-off and it needs to just be part of the CN Almost Rusa feud. Well, I was going to say we're going somewhere with this because we're going to have a mixed tag match yeah. on the pre-show of SummerSlam. Yep. And then you got the Bludgeon Brothers defeated. What's, what's their name? 3SK. Yeah. The, that was, the uh, Jabba's. That was a... Brutal match though, as far as that one dude yeah. that took that slam to the apron. Yeah, man, like that slam over the ropes to the apron and out to the floor. You got to pay me a lot for that. I, I'd be like, no. like there's 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 guys in New Japan not taking that bump right now. Kenny Omega might. Say, no, no, uh, what's his name? What's the what's the man's name that Meltzer said wasn't going to last long at the pace he's going? Uh, Will Osprey. Will Osprey might have said no to that bump. It was a nasty bump. Yeah, that was crazy. So yeah, so then we got that. I think I think the highlight of the show was AJ Styles, Mojo. They're doing a good job with that feud. A lot of weird booking, a lot of weird segments. You know, I think I think when you're this close to a big pay per view, this week is usually the worst one. We did manage to figure out how to get Charlotte in the Becky Lynch Carmella match. It was always that way though. Um, so it's not going to be just a singles match with Carmella. It's going to be a match with. Essentially, mostly Becky versus Charlotte, and then there will be some spot at the end where one of them hits a finisher on the other. And Carmella sneaks in, throws them out of the ring, and gets the pinball. 
That's what I'm assuming too. But with it being a bigger show, it's a little more up in the air. So we'll wait and see what happens. I don't I don't think anything crazy happens there. You know, with it being on these big shows, the go home show usually usually does better than you expect, but it's not as good as you would have hoped. And then the the but the, the show before the kickoff, before the go home show was always bad. So compared to what I expected. I would say watch Hulu version for Raw and SmackDown. But, knock, knock, knock. Charles, let them know about NXT and 205 Live. Well, before we get to that, because there's one other uh, aspect of this, uh, the ongoing saga of women's uh, evolution in oh, WWE. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Renee Young taking a spot at the Monday Night Raw announce table. Well, I think it's weird because all it is is practice for the Renee Young Classic. That's I think I mean, it could very easily be more than that. I think they could be thinking about a future role at the announce table for a woman, which would be... Do you think it would be a woman shipping for women's matches? Do you think it would be a permanent thing? I think it could be a permanent spot, and it could be very helpful for them, uh, you know, with the idea that, you know, women's wrestling is taking a much more prominent role. I mean, maybe... But as it sits right now, I don't see it being anything past practice for May Young Classic, which is another another uh, you know big story going on right now. The 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 first two nights of the May Young have uh, been completed. Mm-hmm. Um, only one big injury that I heard of, which was a major torn ACL, I think. <laughs> I hate to see that. Um, but uh, a lot of a lot of names from uh, from the independents on the show. Yep. Uh, Karen Q and Deanna Parazzo, who were on the, they were on the women's rivalry show that immediately preceded uh, the Black Label Pro show with uh, Chop and Roll, Rock and Roll. Yep. And I actually watched that little tournament. Oh, that's awesome! Man. And I saw Deanna Parazzo and Karen Q in that in that tournament. So uh, it'll be cool to see them. Um, we saw. Um, uh, what is her name? The Brazilian uh, oh. who was on. She was actually all featured on NXT this week. Yep. Um, oh, mercy. Well, let me take a look here as we get into NXT in 205. Um, so uh, 205 Live, start off with that. Um, it, the show's in a little bit of a holding pattern right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're waiting on the next big match is Cedric Alexander versus Drew Gulak at SummerSlam. Or Tainar or Conti. Tainara Conti. Yeah. Um, She's got a lot of downside for me. Um, She has the worst facial expressions and the worst selling and reacting to things that I have ever seen in professional wrestling. Really? It's that bad. She reacts like a, like you would imagine this is how a six year old child would react when they want attention for something. So, like, if you fall off of your bike, but you fall into your lawn, and it's like real, back at you. and it's like real soft grass, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with you, and you scream and blubber your head off so that your parents come out and kiss you, and make it better. Mm-hmm. That's how she sells when something hurts. Oh wow! So she's Dolph Ziggler. She can flip the switch and be instantaneously super happy, like a child that's just been handed a chocolate bar for falling off the bike. Okay. Um. I mean, just really abominable ring work as far as psychology goes. Uh Is Uh, Kyrie Sane in this year's again? Kyrie Sane is involved, yes. Um, Actually, 
No, she's not in the classic. She is competing with Baszler at Takeover for the women's title. But uh, yeah, but Io Shirai is involved, and uh, yeah. and one or two other uh, of the the Japanese stars is involved this year. Um, so two oh five, Tony Nice and M- Buddy Murphy against the Lucha House Party. Um, nice and Murphy picked up the win. Not a great or impressive match. Um, Noem Dar versus Sean Maluda. Um, was also okay. Noam Dar sold a little bit much um, and didn't have the best match ever. Um, we had another segment playing up uh, Leo Rush and Akira Tozawa, who will have a match next week. Um, there was a Hideo Tommy uh, Mustafa Ali match uh, in your main event. Um, and... Um, you know, it was, uh, it was a good back and forth. These are good workers, but, um, I, I, I didn't see anything in this match that I usually like seeing. I mean, so 205 live, uh, part of what I really enjoy about the work, uh, that these guys do in their shows is that their matches so often do such a great job of telling all the story in the ring. Yeah. They are really good at doing that, uh, more so than a lot of the other WWE superstars and performers. And this match didn't tell nearly as much of a story, I think, as you usually get. Um, you didn't get a whole lot coming off of the four-way match that they were involved in for the number one contendership. Mm-hmm. Um, you just essentially got a match between them, um, ended with a failed 054 and uh, Itami's Tree of Woe dropkick. Um, so, uh, 205, not the, not the strongest show, uh, out of their last couple of months. Um, but NXT was definitely a very interesting show this week. Okay. Um, so the show opener, Nikki Cross, um, took on a newcomer, Amber Nova. I think she's also in the Mae Young Classic. Uh, she's from Bluffton. Nice. Okay. Nice. Just down the road from us. Um, she's tiny. Um, she uh, she took a loss to um, to Nikki Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricochet was going to come out for a match. Uh, Undisputed Era took him out just to teach him that you know he's going to have a rough time going against Adam Cole for the North American Championship because he's got three other guys to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, Cassius Ono beat uh, Adrian Jaoud. Um, I think he's this the was master. Yeah, I think uh, Jaoud is a fairly recent signee, so I think they do have intentions for him in the future. But I think this was mostly just to try to reestablish Ono for the audience so that there's somebody else they can put him in a program with to help build someone new up. Um, Keith Lee uh, made his debut. Keith Lee, uh, big-time face of um, independent wrestling for the last couple years. Um, He's massive. He's like 330 pounds. Yep. But he moves. He's a big deal. He's, he moves very well. Yeah. Um, he's had a lot of great matches with Walter. He has some brutal physical matches. And Mega he, Man he's, Walter. Um, then you had Tainara Conti and Vanessa Bourne in the May Young Qualifier. Um, Tainara Conti got the win. Um, I did not like Tainara Conti in that match. That's pretty much all I have to say about it. <laughs> I, I said what I thought about her selling and her psychology and her characterizations. Um, Johnny Gargano versus Alistair Black. Um, 
was supposed to be Alistair Blackshot at Revenge. Tommaso Ciampa got involved. Um, it became a three-way brawl mm-hmm. where Gargano would ignore uh, Black to attack Ciampa. But what he forgot was that Alistair Black is still plenty mad at him. Yep. So he would come after Gargano. And, uh, and of course, Ciampa would go after either of them. So your scheduled match for NXT TakeOver was going to be a triple threat match, yeah. uh, which we just announced. And we got we got a special WWE.com. Um, we got a, a WWE.com uh, exclusive, a video exclusive, a behind the scenes uh, video uh, that revealed that out in uh, Full Sail University campus in like a patio area, Alistair Black had been laid out. Laid out. And was very severely injured. He's a bullpen. And no one knows. Uh, there were a lot of a lot of potential suspects seen walking away from the scene of the crime. Uh, Ciampa was there. But, uh, I mean, shoot, uh, so many people were around. Like, uh, um, I think even... Uh, the the finest Kona Reeves was around and uh and uh heavy machinery was around. Lots of people were around the area. A lot of potential culprits. So who knows who took out Alistair Black, but uh because of a because of a that severe injury, Alistair Black will now no longer be in the uh championship match. And it's rumored now that the championship match will be Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano in a last man standing match for the NXT Championship. If if that match happens, it's not the last match of the entire feud, then it will make it into too much category. Um, well, the idea was that that's why they were doing a triple threat was so that they could they could progress to one last future match between these two, and the injury kind of forced exactly. forced them into a rushed singles match which wasn't intended to end the angle quite yet. Agreed. So I don't know. But you don't do a last man standing match without it ending the angle. I think... What do you go... I mean, after that, it's just death. I think WWE probably feels that they're forced to continue and have one more final chapter. That needs to be on the main event. Because, I mean, what do you do after the last man standing match? I mean, they already did the loser leaves NXT match, right? But the problem is, I think the I think the one last angle that they wanted to work was with the intention of playing out all of like how Gargano's character has changed and all all of like how it's affected his relationship with Candice LeRae and so many other things. I think they wanted to do one final angle between them to kind of resolve a lot of those storylines and the fact that they are now rushed one week ahead of the pay-per-view into putting these guys back in a one-on-one match sort of means they don't get a, a natural conclusion to the story here. Well, yeah, but the issue is, though, I mean, no matter what, it was <clears throat> going to finish at a takeover or on the main roster. That's it. So the next takeover is three months from now, four months from now. So they're going to drag it out for four months? Um, well, I hope not. I hope that we're going to go in a, in some different directions and maybe... At least they'll go different directions. Yeah. I think it's, if nothing else, it's one of them. It's going to be a last man standing match, but it's going to be like one of those definitive last man standing matches that the dude's down, down. Like he's hurt and he's going to be gone for a while. 
And I think that, it should be. I think I think it should be a roster call up for the loser, and then once the winner loses the championship, if you want to do that feud, give it the full blown production staff of WWE main roster, full blown everything, and kick it off there again. But I'm not interested in any more after this one on NXT. I'd be I'd be okay with that. Um, so other. Other stories. I mean, obviously, like the big thing is, of course, like you know, uh, the MSG Supercard. Yeah. Um, uh, sold out. Completely sold out. Um, G one. Um, we got a, a G one result, uh, which is um, Hiroshi Tanahashi. It's the w. the ace yep. of New Japan. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura's old perennial enemy. Yeah. Uh, back in the Wrestle Kingdom two. Era. You think there's any chance that he had that rumor about Shinsuke leaving WWE? Maybe that was part of the negotiation with New Japan. Um, I think. I think. I doubt Shinsuke's leaving to go back to New Japan. I think the the New Japan style nowadays is is too much for what he's capable of doing. I think this is more likely sort of like the last hurrah. This is sort of like. You know, I don't know if this is more like Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 18 or Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 9. Uh, like, it feels more well, like... It's a revitalizing or a, a final goodbye thank you? Or Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's more like, like that one last great WrestleMania match. Mm-hmm. Or if it's like, you know, this guy's been in a whole lot of WrestleMania matches. Yeah, but I mean, his, his quality of matches has not declined. I think it has. I mean, I think... Meltzer disagrees, man. Well, I think when you look at Tanahashi in this G1, um, you know, you had uh, Tomohiro Ishii having multiple five-star matches with multiple opponents. He did a fantastic job. You had uh, Zack Sabre Jr., uh, really impressive. Uh, while he didn't do have that great of a final result, he had some fantastic matches. Mm-hmm. What, my favorite match of the tournament, I will say... Uh, well, not not my number one favorite match of the tournament, but Tanahashi definitely had one of my top matches of the tournament, and it was his opener with uh, Minoru Suzuki, mm-hmm. where um, he was getting tortured and having his leg ripped off the entire match, and then at the very end of the match, he hit the inverted dragon screw leg whip to like literally tear Minoru Suzuki's uh, MCL, and um. I mean, he, he didn't really, but you yeah. know, that's the way they sold it in the match. Was like, f- for the first time in memory, you had Minoru Suzuki screaming in pain. Yeah, exactly. In a match, and this is you know Suzuki, um, and Tanahashi like ended up coming back and winning that match. Um, but um, Omega obviously had a great G one. Yep. Um, Tetsuya Naito had a fantastic G one tournament. Had some incredible matches too. Um, they had a cool moment at the end of Naito versus Sonata. Um, and obviously they see a lot in Sonata because they had him main event in one of the final shows. But uh, I, like I said, I think he's in New Japan right now. He's my edge. He's my guy that I see as like an edge, rated R superstar type of character. Mm-hmm. That you could get him out of uh, Los Ingobernables and have him go with uh, – you know, like, I'm just going to go it on my own. Yep. I'm not going to let you be holding me back anymore, and I'm going to go for a world championship. And I think I'd like to see him make a couple of character changes to do it, but I think he could be that guy. Um, I mean, 
I don't know what else to say about G one though. Like when you talk about it's just it's just a different level. When you talk Still about watch, yeah. When you talk about like four star wrestling matches and five star wrestling matches and like some of the best, uh, you know, some of the best in ring work that you're gonna find and mm-hmm. some of the best storytelling. I mean, I, we haven't even mentioned Okada. Exactly. Who's in the There's team. more five star matches in the G one every year than there is in WWE that entire year. And the G1's a 28-day-long thing. One, one month. Yeah. G1 takes one month, and there's one five. There's more stuff, five-star matches in that one month than there is five-star matches in WWE over the course of the entire year. Yeah. And it might be, there might even be a multiplier in there. Um, yeah. Like, uh, I, I think it's almost safe to say there's there are individuals with more five-star matches only during the G1 every year that have more five-stars than the entire WWE every year. Well, I think that I think that definitely could be true for one or two guys in the G one this year. I think there is uh, three. Uh, well, Omega had multiple five stars. I think Ishii and Naito possibly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, definitely there was a there were some phenomenal matches. Absolutely, Switchblade Jay White did a lot uh, in the He's tournament. Good man, he is very good. He's good. Uh, Hangman Page and Michael Elgin had pretty good showings. Uh, Evil from the team of Evil and Sonata did pretty well for himself as a singles competitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tonga and Bad Luck Fale were two that had terrible tournaments overall. That's because he was talking trash to Roman. <clears throat> talking trash to Roman Reigns. Guys um, killed the G1 too. Go up against the big dog and see what happens. See what happens. But the story there was, you know, just sort of the OG Bullet Club. Um, uh, the 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 Tongan family now, uh, you know, rebelling against all the rest of the New Japan faction, and um, they were there was so much interference in all their matches. It was one of like the obviously Dave Meltzer's big pet peeves during the tournament was there was no Tomatonga or Bad Luck Folly match in the entire tournament that didn't involve <laughs> interference yeah. and disqualifications. Yeah. Um, and uh, even Toriyanu had some some fun fun matches, uh, like the one he had with Kotobushi, where he taped up Kotobushi's hands, mm-hmm. and Ibushi had to do all of his drop kicks and all of his all of his ring work for the rest of the match with his hands tied together. Yeah, which is impressive stuff. Yeah, and uh, and um, and his you know his match with Omega was was nothing. It was so, there was so much interference in that match. But yeah, he did pick up a pinfall win over. Kenny Omega, so there's a feather in the cap. Take that run, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Future world championship Amen. match. Amen. I mean, shoot, when you're when you're talking about against Kenny Omega, I'm taking W. However, they tell me I gotta get. Absolutely, match. yeah. You, you know? tell me like, well, you I'll bring you Joey already... Ryan. Joey Ryan, his name. Yeah. Bring him in. Let him distract him for me. I have. I'll help him. Help. I think Joey Ryan's dead. This no. I'm talking about the guy that pulls the penis out. Yeah, Joey Ryan. No, he. I think Hangman Page killed him. I think he murdered him. What are you talking about right now, man? I'm pretty sure that Joey Ryan was murdered by Hangman Page. You're in kayfabe right now. Well, I, I'm not talking about kayfabe. I'm talking about being the elite. I watch it all the time, and then oh. Joey Ryan's dead. Well, then all the more reason to come on back and help get, help us out there. I didn't know Joey Ryan was even involved in that stuff. To be honest with you. Um, well, uh, you see, Mia Khalifa is actually training to be a uh, to do a wrestling match. That's the porn star that was doing wrestling. I was I was going to ask if that's who that was. Yeah, that's who. Did you actually have to ask who that was? Well, or? I kind of recognized the name. But. Yeah, she's trained to be a porn. She's trained. I said she's trained to be a porn star. She's trained to be a wrestler. I don't know how well porn translates to wrestling. 
Well, I think it translates well to the Diva division. Not in WWE. She'll never, more. she'll never get a contract. No, with of course. Of course. They won't put China exactly. in the Hall of Fame. For a sex tape. Let alone entire website. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. you're going to Google. Like, I think she's the number one porn star on the planet. Right. And you're going <laughs> to Google her, her ring character name. Which is going to be, it's going to have to be like Amber Jones or something like that. Oh, it's that. going to be so, it's going to, no, it's going to be way farther off than that. It's Betty, gonna, Betty Smith? Yes, maybe, maybe then. So, and you're going to Google Betty Smith and the number one result is going to be porn star Mia Khalifa wrestles as Betty Smith and then it's going to be all of her videos. Exactly. Exactly. Like, just in case you didn't like this in-ring performance, let's show you this performance. <laughs> yeah. And next thing you know, the whole brand is tarnished. So she'll, I mean... I don't think there's any chance she's any good, but she's going to be a draw just because. I mean, she's the biggest porn star on the planet. I would be. I'd be very surprised. Like that, you you would think that there's an avenue in professional wrestling where you could make more money performing that way than performing how she performs now. I don't know if it's necessarily more money, but it might be a like a if if you take if you take how she performs now and takes year to date divided by performances. Mm-hmm. And you take that number, the the that number, and then you take how much he gets paid just for this performance. This number might be higher, but obviously, you know, you your body can take more of what she does now now than what Okay. Any anyway, moving on. Yeah. Alright, started going on a dark path there. Moving on. I think we've covered most. What do, do we have? Do we have any other news for the people? Um well, obviously, next week we've got uh, SummerSlam, mm-hmm. which um, plan for that's a live show. Yep, that's the plan. So uh, next week we'll have another live special of Close to the Mark. Um, and can't really think of anything uh, anything else too major earth-shattering. Obviously, All In coming up very soon, which we'll talk about that too when it happens. Um, still have... Still have some, I think it's interesting. Um, you certainly have some potential for some major championship shakeups at all in. Absolutely. Um, what do you think, what do you think our over under is on championships changing hands at SummerSlam? It doesn't feel, I feel like three or two. I feel like universal championship. This is probably the strongest yep. place we've ever been in for Roman Reigns finally winning the I universal mean, Universal and the women's, the Raw women's. Um, and maybe SmackDown, maybe SmackDown tag, maybe not. Um, yeah, a lot of the other, a lot of the other championship matches feel like we're just, you know, coast. Yeah. We're just gonna, we're not going to change titles or anything. We're just going to get on with next week's TV. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a good show because SummerSlam always has a way of doing that. Well, it's going to be a good spectacle. You know, the production videos are going to be sweet. I'm going to say this. I was actually going to mention this now that you say that. that Have you seen the promotional video for SummerSlam that's like on Twitter and Instagram? I haven't yet, no. It's the worst promotional video for SummerSlam I've ever seen. Promotional videos for SummerSlam, like because SummerSlam is considered like the second biggest event of the year, Mm -hmm. they're usually awesome. Like, Like some of the SummerSlam promotional videos have been like just some of the most... Hype. Yeah. Well, I think as far as like wrestling goes itself, for in-ring performers, I think SummerSlam might be the biggest one of the year. Because WrestleMania is obviously way towards more towards spectacle, you know, than in-ring work. And Royal Rumble is more gimmick. 
Survivor Series is kind of watered down. Like for in ring work, I think SummerSlam might be the biggest one of the year. But I think, like, usually the SummerSlam promotional videos make it feel like such a huge deal. And like, this is the biggest event of the summer. Exactly. And it's the second biggest event of the year. Yeah. Like, it's right up, it's absolutely right up there with the Royal Rumble in terms of like, okay, guys, now this one is seriously important. Exactly. Yeah. This year's promo video does not make me feel like SummerSlam's important. I guess they looked at the same card we did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but I mean, wait and see. I'm tuning in. We're going live. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, obviously, like there, there's definitely potential for there to be some huge news coming out of SummerSlam, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens at Takeover and how good that show is too. We got definitely got some matches at Takeover to be excited about because Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed Era, huge. I mean, we've already had a five star match between those two teams on television. Yeah, the whole card looks. Sick. Now we're gonna get pay per view match. Yeah, the whole so. card is gonna be top to bottom sick. Because Dumbo is always delivered. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't really have anything else. You got nothing. All right. We're well. on to the next one. One more time, though, you can find us Facebook.com slash Close to the Mark Podcast. CTTM Podcast. Twitter.com slash CTTM Podcast. Podcast. Any, it doesn't matter. Whatever you click on to play your podcast, unless you're part of that, uh, what's that group called? The people that like the bad things. The harbingers of failure. Unless you're one of the harbingers of failure. If so, turn this off anyways and unsubscribe. unsubscribe if you're one That's of them. That's the alternate name for the B team. Yes. If you're one of them, unsubscribe. We don't want you. But uh, unless you're one of them, whatever you listen to your podcast on, just search for Closer to the Mark. Send us an email. Closetomarkpodcast at gmail.com. We're here. Yeah. We'll see you, so- we'll see you Sunday morning. Well, yeah, because we are going to have definitely going to have a huge week, a huge show next week. Like Corey said, we've got um, the Coastal Invasion show coming yep. up for Battleground Championship Wrestling. Um, you heard Adam Helms on the show talking about that. Um, so we're going to be covering that. We're going to be covering TakeOver. And, of course, we're going to be covering WWE SummerSlam, uh, as well as the finale of the G1 uh, coming up here. Yeah, so all that, all that coming up next week. And uh, until then, we're out. All right, guys. Have a good one.